Welcome to Raising Up Cops, a podcast about raising Coptic kids in Western culture, hosted by Madonna Lewindi and me, Laura Michael. Hi, Madonna. Hi, Laura. Okay, so this week we reached out to ask for members in the Coptic community for their personal experiences with their children who have disabilities. And we kind of threw this broad net out there, but we got some great feedback from what I understand. So we decided to split this episode into two parts so that we can give the wide range of experiences their due diligence. So Laura, can you just tell us a little bit about who you talk to and what we expect to hear in these upcoming episodes? For sure. So today we are going to talk to uh, my friend Donna, who goes to our church here, and her son, Chris, is nine, going on 10. Uh, I'll let her tell you about his condition and everything. But Donna is really the expert for this topic because she's dealing with the, the, the deepest of the disabilities and at the same time has been doing it for the longest, has been uh, raising her son for the longest amount of time. And so she's able to give really good perspective and really good input on what life is like with a severe disability. And then for next week, we're going to talk to a parent with a child on the autism spectrum, a more high functioning disability. And we're going to speak to a sibling of someone with a disability. And we also uh, have a school psychologist who came and answered a few questions for us as well. So that's what you can look forward to next week. But this week, I really wanted us to hear from Donna because she's so bold with her experiences and she really lays it all out there for us. She really allows us to step into her life and into her day-to-day struggles and her her broader uh, perspective on the issue. I'm really excited to dig deep into this because um, I feel like we don't talk about disabilities too much in the Coptic community. It's always like a a bless your heart kind of situation when we see somebody with a disability. You know, I don't think anybody is like outwardly disapproving or anything like that of it, but it does feel very distant. It does feel very much like a their problem. And we're kind, but like, let's admit it, we're also a little awkward, you know, about disabilities in general. And I think a lot of that probably stems back from, you know, Egypt not really having the tools necessary and the resources necessary to help people with disabilities. Luckily in America, there's more resources at our disposal, but I'm really curious to hear how this goes. So I guess we're going to listen a little bit to her interview and see what she says, right? Yeah. So let's go ahead and listen to my interview with Donna. Donna, welcome to the podcast. I want you to tell me a little bit about your son, Chris. How old is he now and what condition does he have? Christopher is uh, nine years. He's going to turn 10 in May. Um, Chris, I, at the very beginning, I knew that I have an abnormal baby when I was pregnant. There is a test that it's called alpha theta protein. We do it on the 20 weeks. It came back positive. They did the rest of the test, but all the other tests is only for Down syndrome. So he's not Down syndrome, but he's abnormal. And the doctor gave me like two days to decide if I'm going to keep the baby or not. It was so hard decision. Uh, you know, as a mom, when the baby start moving, it's so hard just to go and kill this baby. Uh, 20 weeks is halfway. So I'm like, no, I'm going to keep the baby. The doctor started to give me all of this dark ends that I'm going to meet in my life. It's not easy. This baby's going to be suffering. Everybody's going to be suffering. And um, I was listening to Baba Snuda and he said, no except in one condition, 
if it's risking the mom's life. So I was fine. So I kept Christopher. I had Christopher. And then here the journey started. I was like only four years in America. My English wasn't that bad at that time, but still the medical condition was Chinese for me. Like you should see me when I go to the doctor and they're telling me something and I'm like, is it good or bad? <laughs> I don't know. I start studying and we end up with a, a diagnosis that it's um, genetic disorder because they are very rare genes, his abnormal genes. Wow. Okay. So she starts off really just telling us that it was a huge shocker for her and she considered not keeping the baby. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes, absolutely. So there was a time where she, you know, and I feel like we don't talk about it enough that it is an option. And so it's something people do think about and they have to make that decision in themselves. And she tells a little bit later in the interview, she gives some advice to other parents, but I felt like, um, what a blessing for us to be able to hear the struggle within her and to hear how hard the doctor was pushing her for an abortion and how mm. it was not an easy decision to make. And, and there's that added layer of uh, issues with the fact that she was new to America. She wasn't truly understanding what the doctors were telling her about his condition. Um, what a tough situation to be in. I can't, I honestly can't imagine. Um, and she seems very brave. <laughs> I mean, just from, already from hearing her talk. Yes. The, the level of courage, I think Donna exemplifies this um, courage is not the absence of fear. And I think we'll hear that more as the interview goes on. Courage is not the absence of fear. There's a lot of, a lot to be afraid of uh, in Chris's condition, but Donna is courageous anyway. And I think that's something we can all learn from. Okay. Can't wait to hear more. We lived with this a solid nine years that it's a genetic disorder. Chris has seizures. He is um, tube fed. He's nonverbal. And of course, on a wheelchair. Has cerebral palsy. Has everything in special needs. <laughs> and so we lived with that for the nine years to come up two months ago that the genetic doctor, I stopped going to genetics. Because they are always, I think, and I think, and I think, and I want something like, sure, not thinking. Solid. I don't want you, yeah, solid. I don't want you to know what you're thinking. All the specials kept pushing me. And we had Raphael tested, by the way, at the same time Chris was born. Raphael is Chris's older brother. He is almost 12. And we found out that they have the same exact abnormal genes, which is same exact. It doesn't happen. Because the genes, it may be the gene next or before. It's the same test with the different names. And genetics were thinking like, how come that's going to happen? That one is functioning and the other one is nothing. All the specialists kept pushing me to, the, um, to go to the new genetic doctors. I went there and she's like, oh, this is not genetic disorder. So like, uh, what? <laughs> after said, nine not. years? <laughs> after nine years, it's not. It's something happened to your body during pregnancy that changed Chris. So it's something, my chemicals, she didn't explain a lot. She asked for like DNA tests and all of that. We didn't get the results yet, but it's not genetic. It's uh, something. Okay, so, so wait a second. So 
a lot of people, they go through things during pregnancy and a lot of people will say, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. Am I hearing that something happened during her pregnancy that like, so something happened that caused this? But biological, not okay. something not in something her biology, not something external, external, right? Not okay. like a, like something happened to her. She would have noticed, but it was something, some reaction, some sort of medical issue that happened that clearly they didn't even consider. I mean, she was pregnant in the US. She was with them the whole time with seeing these doctors. So uh, it was something that they realized, okay, it's not genetic. It must be. And again, there's still, I feel there's still an element of guessing. They, they don't know, you know, but both of her sons have the same condition, but they the have the same genes. Gene. Okay. And that's why they decided it's easier for them then to decide it's not genetic since mm. You know, before, if it was really gene related, then having these two kids with completely different outcomes, Raphael's a normal kid and right. Chris is low functioning, right? So I think that's just shows a little bit how much doctors are still, still, there's still research to be done and they're still learning to be done in this area. And it also shows how much God is going to control the outcomes because, I mean, she said it herself, it's rare that two kids would have the same exact genetic or I guess gene mutation anyway uh, right like anyway yeah. to have the exact same one whether it resulted in anything or not yeah wow okay let's hear some more <laughs> show us how little they know really in the end you know, yes they don't know what, even what they're looking at yeah because genetic is like I started to study and I'm like you know what I don't need to be that educated it's so hard <laughs> It, it, we have millions of genes they are all different they, they didn't have the studies for all of that but once in a while they get something so Raphael and Christopher was on the world board of genetic that we need to see why these guys are not the same and I think they started to make some studies we didn't get the syndrome we are not under any syndrome because it's not genetic and it's something like the doctors looks at me like uh, I don't know what you're talking about but it's okay <laughs> But we believe you, like we can see Chris. <laughs> right. Something, something's yeah. different. We don't really know. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. That sounds like a very long journey, but Donna, you're not a doctor. You don't have a medical degree, but you, it seems like you've been very educated in these nine years. I am. I am. And this is the blessing. Uh, I'm a very lazy person. And Chris pushed me very, very lazy. I can't tell you. <laughs> uh, Chris pushed me to learn a lot of things because... Uh, there was an incident happened that when the doctors were just like, okay, let's try, um, like no trying. So from this point, I decided like no trying until I study. Of course, I bother a lot of doctors life that they are my friends. Like, can you translate this to me? So what's that? And even the medicine, I was studying the, everything in the medicine to see these two things, what they're going to do. So I studied a lot just to keep Chris because if I listen to the doctors Chris will end up moving with ambulance with machines all over so yeah I studied a lot of about medical there's some of them I'm really professional some of them I have no clue thank god Chris <laughs> asked me for everything but yes I do know a lot of medical stuff I'm interested I, I never think that I'll be interested in that uh, tried to go to school and then I was kicked out. Try to go to the medical school. 
medical school, yes, I want to be a, um, a radiologist hmm. because the radiologist is the one who knows everything about all the body. <laughs> uh, I started, I went two years and then with Chris going back and forth to the hospital, they kicked me out for absence. And then I was lazy, like I told you before, to go back. <laughs> yes. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yes. But I think it really highlights, I was talking to a school psychologist and she was saying that parents need to be educated about their kids' condition. But I like what you were saying. If you left it up to the doctor, it would just be experimental everything. Yes. Especially yeah. the doctors. Okay. I'm not denying everything we got here from the government, but at the meantime, they're not giving the best for the special needs. They're giving the best for like a normal kid that has seizures. So they give them the best medicine, but give the less, the least one for the special needs. So they are already getting enough to keep going in different things. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's so important for special needs mom to know that you need to study and search as long as you trust your doctor still you have to go and study what i'm hearing is that she really had to throw herself into the research to understand what was going on with her own son and it's interesting because you don't think about it with a medical condition you think like there's a textbook answer for whatever's going on but truly just like all children their uh, mannerisms and their intelligence and their emotions are unique so are the medical conditions. So she discovered what was unique about her son and, and figured out that he could do more than they predicted or assumed that he would be able to do, right? Yeah, so she was not willing to let him be subject to every whim of every doctor. Let's try this, let's try this, let's do this, let's do that. Let's hook him up to that. She, you know, he's her child. He's one of her two only children, right? And so she can give him that kind of specialized care. They all, pediatricians always say, you know, trust the mom, trust the mom. She knows she's the one who's there day in and day out, trust the parents. And so I feel like we can see this in special needs as well, that the person who knows your child's condition best has to be you in the end. I was always one of those people who would take the doctor at their word because they're the ones that went to middle, medical school. They're the ones who studied this. I didn't. Um, but at the same time, I can see why, it would be important to really do your own research because they kind of see the general picture, whereas you see the very specific picture about your own child. So it's not to discredit doctors, but you do need to do your own research and dig in further with your own relationship and your child. I love that. Okay. Absolutely. And she said, with a doctor you trust. So you need to find a doctor you trust first, but then don't be afraid to, to push back or speak up or um, make your concerns heard. So what are some of the, the struggles? I know we're going to talk about the blessings, but what are some yeah. of the struggles of being a family with a disability or with a child with a disability? Okay. If we look at the struggles in general, we're going to find it it's equal to a normal kid in a different way. I don't want people to under estimate the struggle or overestimate like there's some people who's like you are I'm like no no I'm I'm not amazing I'm not that much it's almost the same struggle maybe a little bit more in a different way struggles with special needs that um you have to plan everything like you cannot say let's go to the beach okay the beach the wheelchair the sand who's gonna stay with Chris it's not like that 
or when we decided to go, uh, one parent has to stay outside with Chris and the other one has to go to the water. We cannot go all together. I take Chris in the water, but uh, sometimes I don't. So, and you can measure this in everything. Let's do that. Let's do that. This is one kind of struggle. It works if we want to want it to be working. But with somebody who's lazy sometimes, I don't, uh, I, I cannot. The other thing is um, when we have a special needs kids, he gets more time and attention than the other one, which is, this is the worst part. Like this is the most challenge I see that after I'm done with Chris with everything, uh, I don't have patience for Raphael and all of that. And I really took a lot of time and things from Raphael for Christopher. So the other kids doesn't get the same or what at least they need. If as long as the parents are dividing everything together, everything goes perfect. But if only one parent is working at that, it's hard. Other struggles as um, when we have to call 911. Yes, the, this is my personal struggle when they say we can, when you can hear that the, they are saying, oh, he's not going to make it. No, he's not going to make it. Or he sees, hears silence or all of that. That's, I struggle after the events that I have. So what happens that makes you have to call 911? It was one time that his blood sugar was striking for no reason. And we were in the doctor's office, his pediatrician office. And his, he was in a coma and we are checking. We said, oh, maybe the machine is not working. There's something wrong. Let's try other machines. We called 911. They were trying and they said, oh, that's a big deal because it went down to like 20 and then went up to 260 with no reason. And the second time it was a long seizure. And this is the struggle and the blessing. Like this incident is that both of them because... Chris can take seizures more than 12 minutes for his age and his size and everything. And when we call uh, 911, they tried everything, nothing stopped. Chris went up to 23 minutes. There is no way he will live. He can live up to 16, 17 minutes with a brain damage. So 23 minutes, it was like the fastest and longest time in my life. Like I can tell the 23, the minutes was going on the timer like seconds. And Chris, uh, it stopped and Chris got up out of this without the brain damage. He was normal, his normal Chris. So these are like the strong struggles for the parents when they are seeing their kids are dying. Or we have another time it was, um, we have a procedure and he didn't wake up from the anesthesia. It took him an hour and a half. And every time before Chris goes to any procedure, I have to sign a paper that they are not responsible. If he didn't get up, he's a high risk. So when he didn't wake up, and this is, was like terrible. So the mental struggle is so bad with the parents. But after that, the blessing part of that, that we are stronger. Uh, Chris can be seizing. There is one time, it was two years ago, I was at church. It was Palm Sunday. I was sitting, you know, in the middle row on the floor with Chris. And Chris starts seizing so bad. 
And I'm like, no, we are not going to mess this. And I kept holding nobody pay attention except one person, Nancy. So you can see it after that. That makes us stronger. So he and, was seizing uh, in church on Pump Sunday and you were just basically holding on, hoping for the best, praying for the yes, best. I, Praying that I don't want to call 911. I don't want to ruin all of that. And first of all, it's one of my favorite days. So I, I, I got him under the bench and I hold his hands and legs and I keep counting and praying on the same time. Multitasking with special needs parents is amazing. And then it was okay. And then I put him in a chair and I was with everybody. Nobody knows about it. So it definitely makes us stronger. Man, I, first of all, I have goosebumps on some of the things she was saying. Like I, I legitimately got chills and there's so many pieces to this. I am in awe of how much grace that she gives when she was talking about, like at the very beginning, having to, it's like the same to struggle with any kid as her own child, which I don't know how she can say that, but that's truly how she feels. And that's a testament to how God gives you the grace and the strength, but she's right because, um, she was saying like, you have to plan everything for the beach. I mean, anybody that's been to the beach with the toddler knows there's a lot of supplies needed. There's a lot of planning. Where is nap time going to be? Where are you going to change a diaper, bring an extra toy, bring extra clothes, bring all this stuff. And that to me is overwhelming. So there is definitely an added layer to what she's saying too, but she sees it as like the same. And what I'm gathering is that she's trying to say it's a learning curve, no matter what. I mean, the learning curve for having a child with a disability and a learning curve with having a um, developmentally considered normal child, there is a lot to be learned and a lot to be planned for. So I appreciated what she had to say about that. And then talking about the imbalance of resources and patience and time between the siblings, I mean, it was a little bit heartbreaking to listen to because I know we've talked before on our previous episodes about parents feeling um, like having a second child, what is the first child going to feel like? This is even way more so of an imbalance. And so I can't imagine what, you know, kind of conversations she has to have with the older child, Raphael, in order to help him understand, like, look, the needs are different for you and your brother. Um, and then finally, what she was talking about with the mental struggles, I mean, Whew, like, you know, I don't go through my day hoping that I don't have to call 911. I don't go through my day hoping that my kid is not going to have some sort of thing. Like, yeah, we pray for our over, overall health for our children, but never to this kind of extreme. And she's over here talking about it the same way that we do in terms of like Palm Sunday. You're like, I hope my child doesn't have a meltdown. She's like, I hope my child doesn't have a seizure. You know, it's just uh, intense. It's an intense difference for sure. Yeah, I think there's, like you said, there's a grace that's provided there that makes makes a person able to to um, to withstand and thrive even in this kind of situation. I feel like that's part of where her courage comes from. You know, I think for all of us, the biggest fear is not us dying, but our children dying. Mm. And to think that Donna has faced death for Chris, like looked it right in the face multiple times. And seeing God work and come out on the other side to be stronger and better. I think that's incredible. It really is. It really is. Okay. I can't wait to hear more. 
you were telling me a little bit about the blessings of life with Chris and I, someone was, someone sent me a message, you know, I opened it up for people to send messages. And one of the messages was my best friend's son has special needs. I want you all to stop asking what's wrong with him. Nothing's wrong with him. He's perfect. So I want to hear from you. You always tell us about Chris's, you know, amazing personality. Um, Tell us a little Mm -hmm. bit more about that. Okay. Let me go back to this point that I I personally love when people ask me what's wrong with Chris. I have no offense about that. Like anybody want to ask, I talk to it. I don't, I have no problem anybody to touch Chris and play with him. There is some parents, they don't want anybody to talk about their kids or asking about them. I have no problem at all. And I think on church, they know that I start talking about him. I have no problem. The other part of the question, what was it? What are the blessings? And then tell us about Chris's personality. Okay, Chris's personality is, he is so funny. And he does understand jokes. I don't know to which level, honestly. But he does. And this is from even his teachers that they will be saying a joke or teasing each other and Chris will laugh. So till which level Chris understands, I don't know. Chris is so funny Chris is so loving he loves to hug and kiss and all of that everybody I thank God a lot that he's a special needs because if he was a normal kid he would drive me crazy he is <laughs> he I I can imagine Chris if he was a normal kid he will be the kid that school calls his parents five times a week complaining about Chris jump over the uh, fence Chris did and did with a uh, was cursing and joking and all of that uh, everybody will spend some time anybody will spend some time with chris would understand that that's chris when he's mad you can hear him at church he is mad and nobody can stop him when he's happy he will be happy if he loves that what's abuna saying he will start saying with him in a different way if not he will sleep <laughs> yes so chris has a personality that you can tell it's still challenging for me because I don't understand everything sometimes he wants me to understand and sometimes he acts stupid like not in this world so anyone wants to spend the day with Christopher they're more than welcome to know who is Christopher the blessing it's a lot Laura like but the blessings, if you want to see the blessings, if you want to feel the blessing, if you don't, you're not going to see it. Because this is in front of my eyes most of the time. Somebody who accepts the blessing and someone is not. So when you accept it, sometimes you are ashamed to cry to God. Like, all of that. What kind of blessings? I'll tell you what kind of blessing. There was one time, Hurricane, I don't remember their names. They have too many names, but I think he was the guy one. Matthew, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it was so strong. And uh, we went to bed at night. That's me all the time when the hurricane is coming. And the next day, I decided to get out of the house and see what's going on. I was like Noah going out of the ark. All the houses around us has a damage. 
we have here a small palm tree, it fall down, like a short, it's shorter than me. That's all the damage we have. Next door from the two sides, this one, the tree fall off his roof. This one, um, the trash can get inside his house, broke all the windows, all of that. We have nothing, like nothing passed by us. With, a, with any danger, like hurricanes, we are, I now I, I don't have to worry. Even I don't go and buy water and all of that. Like, okay, God, is, God knows that I cannot take him and run. So this is one thing. Anything we worry about it, it's solved. Somehow, if it's a paperwork, if it's something that Chris needs, uh, let me tell you that, I'm so jealous. Anything Chris needs, God send it to Chris. I wish it was recorded as a video to show you how much equipment we don't have place to walk in our living room because Chris needs a stretcher and a, a TV chair. Somebody will call me, hey, we do have this. Hey, come and get this. And the van, somebody will like donated the van to us with a ramp, which is thousands of dollars so anything we need not everything everything but like the major things it's always solved his medical issue with the things that he passed by i told you about his seizure one time it was too many things that chris supposed to be completely like there is no chance we pass it without the normal damage the blessings, um, I can't count them. I cannot count them. Uh, it comes to the door. The blessing in another way. I remember myself in high school. I was this girl that has nothing to worry or responsible or anything. And I changed to be this person to sit down with people to respect me about my medical information, about uh, how I am strong. I would... I would never be this without Chris. I will be this girl that has no meaning in this life. I get a lot of respect and honor because of Chris. I'm sure if Chris wasn't there, I was going to be like kind of a good person <laughs> somehow, somehow. But this is another blessing that... Uh, I went to the point that people from respect and honor they're giving to me, I'm embarrassed and I try to change it as a joke and just want to run away that sometimes they will think like, uh, what's wrong with her? They don't know how shy I am and embarrassed from everything they're saying. I see, I feel it's too much, but he gave it to me. Like he gifted to me, God gifted to me through Chris. Wow. <laughs> Uh, so, man, I have so many thoughts at the very beginning, you know, of the, when she was talking about the blessings and, and I have to say, I really admire her transparency about Chris's condition. And I really love that she has no problem with people asking her. And I think that's part of the, the journey is demystifying this whole uh, disability for others, because I could see how living with this disability and kind of in the quiet and in the in isolation can feel very well isolating it can feel very like you can feel very alone but i feel like i really admire donna because i she's become so comfortable 
with who Chris is that she's been able to cross over that line of isolation into comfort and appreciation for who he is. The way that she was able to talk about his personality. You don't really think about disabilities and personalities going hand in hand, or at least I don't. I mean, I've been afforded that privilege, but she can see exactly what kind of kid he is. And I thought it was so funny that she was like, man, if you did not have this disability, he would be that kid parents would call, like the principal would be calling me every day, telling me that he's jumping the fence. <laughs> um, and so I just, I love how she's like, the disability is like, like the lowest thing on the totem pole that she thinks about with Chris. I feel like she's just, yeah, the survival piece and having to take care of all his medical needs, but also she's gotten to know him as a, as her child. And I think that that's something we could all learn from when we encounter anybody that might have a disability is that they are a person first, disability last. Um, and I just, man, hearing about the way that um, like she's convinced that God is providing everything for Chris that he needs and that he's the, like, he's the reason that she's a good person. Yeah, maybe that's how it works. I don't know, but I'm, I'm, I'm in awe of her as a mother. I'm in awe of her as a caretaker. Um, and I'm in awe of Chris because obviously he doesn't, he doesn't seem to let his disability get him down either. <laughs> yeah, and I think... You know, I really like what you said. I feel like all of us can take this lesson that we put so much like expectations and dreams and visions for our children's lives. And the fact that all of those things are so secondary to who they are and the gift of them in our lives from God, you know, wh what they accomplish is not even remotely on like the totem pole of things that make them valuable to mm. us. Right. Right. Absolutely. And sometimes we get that a little bit twisted. I agree. I agree. It's hard not to, but this is a good, good eye-opening uh, thing to hear for sure. There is another one thing I want people to understand about special needs parents that sometimes they are mean. They didn't mean to be mean. It's them didn't get enough sleep or struggling with something. Mm -hmm. There's another thing I want to ask everybody for. You can help all the special needs families. You can help them. Just pray for them. I went with Abuna uh, Tadris Ya'oub Multi in Egypt. It was a convention. And at that time I was um, serving special needs. And my priest just pushed me to do the service. I don't know why. I think he, he saw me so spoiled and he knows me to be like <laughs> a little bit stronger. And in Egypt, they are in a, in a very miserable life. And we went to Abuna, uh, we were in Iskandaria, uh, Alexandria, and we saw Abuna Tadisya Umalti and he was talking to them and he said, listen, you guys need to serve your servants. So they were looking like, I can't hold my spoon and I can get up. He said, pray for them. It's a huge, uh, I know everybody has a huge list of people to pray for. If you remember us in the middle, we see visually those prayers. We see them. It comes to us. Uh, it needs uh, just some time to sit down and see it for the special needs parents to see the blessing coming because there's somebody somewhere praying for them if their own parents, if there's family, if it's a church member. So this is the only thing I'm going to ask that to help us is to pray for us. And if you want to donate money, it's okay too. 
cash. <laughs> this is my cash app. <laughs> uh, do you have other advice you want to give to the families in the churches across the community? I have a specific question, but I'll get to it. But in general, do you have suggestions for how to approach and befriend? We talked a little bit earlier about how people are shy and embarrassed to come ask you and talk to you about Chris. Um, yeah. How can people in other churches get to know their families who have children with special needs? Okay, they have to first test the water if they want to talk about it or not. I have been in tons of support meetings. So I, I almost know more all the mothers of special needs in Jacksonville, there's some of them they want to talk about that there's some of them still crying, still in the denial. And even there is one person, specific one, her son is the same age of Chris. They're two days apart. She's still crying till now. So um, test the water. And if they find, if you find out that they are friendly, sometimes they're happy to talk about their kids there is some of them just want everybody to feel sorry i don't know if somebody wants to entertain this person or not i don't understand them but test the water because sometimes when they talk they vent there is a lot of uh, parents that are staying home they're not working and in this loop all the time so they want somebody to listen to them and they want to listen not just to listen so testing the water is so important and venting for parents is very very important yes i mean that is some great advice because i've always asked myself the question do i just walk up to somebody and ask them about disabilities when i see it um and not just in the coptic community in in public in general um and i like that advice to test the waters because there's going to be some people who obviously are just waiting for that opening to, to talk and to vent, like she said, and to be able to share their struggles openly. And then there's going to be some who just don't want to talk about it. And um, there's a respect to be had there because I can, I can vouch, or I feel like for both sides of that, I can see why I would need to talk and I would see why I wouldn't want to talk. And she brings up a really good point that um, this is their life every day. They're stuck in that loop, like she said, of being caretakers all the time. Um, I mean, I wonder if also like somehow, if, if you have the time and the opportunity getting to know how to take care of that child with a disability and if there's a way to give a break at some point um, as another form of help. Uh, what do you think, Laura? Do you think that's reasonable or? Yeah, and I think though that nothing big is being asked for here. Right. She's just saying, just a conversation uh, sometimes is what's lacking. And I think it's good to start with that, with finding a way to like break down those walls, especially in your church community, to just approach the parent and just say hi. And maybe one day, you know, I really like what she said about sometimes they might be mean because they've had a mm. bad day. They might react badly to something, but it doesn't mean that they never want to speak to you or that they're, you know, that's kind of the testing the waters part is it might not be a one-time thing. Today might be a hard day for me to talk. But next week, maybe I would be happy for you to say, hi, how are you? And get to know me, you know? Yes, I want to piggyback off what you said, because um, the parents themselves are more than just special need parents. You know, they're, they're their own person as well. So I imagine that they also want somebody to 
talk to them and it not be revolving around their their child with a disability, though they love it. Obviously, there's a huge grace there, like we mentioned, um, and that it is their life and they they throw themselves into it partially because they have to and partially because it is their honor to, you know, um, but at the same time, I'm again, I'm trying to put myself in these shoes for some empathy. And I'm thinking like, I would want somebody to ask me just how I'm doing and, um, you know, come over for coffee and hang out with me because of that loop that she said she was in. So um, these are, I think, really great ideas of ways that we can help special need parents in our community. One of the other topics we touched on, you and I personally, was how to teach our children to not be afraid of a person with a disability and how to teach them to approach and interact. Okay, I wanna do that. I wanna get Chris out of the wheelchair and let them sit down with them. Uh, the, it starts from the parents, the kids' parents. Go, go play with him, go touch him, go know him. Because there's some parents, because they don't know, they're scared. They're so scared, they don't wanna come near him which is, but I would be so happy to put Chris because Chris will play. He's sitting on the chair board, but he, if we sit down, you will see him pulling this toy from somebody and give it this to somebody. So if uh, that's a very good thing to, to the kids to know Chris and they grow up together. I think you saw a lot of videos that a, a teenager had their friend on a wheelchair that he barely talk or whatever, and they are friends because they were raised up together and they know him. So special needs are not scary because there's parents who are scared of special needs. They don't want to come near them. I don't know what's their background, but it's something. So, and for other churches, if your son or your daughter can get off the wheelchair and sit down with other kids, let them play together let them play together because this is another brother and sisters. This is another siblings from different parents that they gonna grow up. And even sometimes I was talking to his Sunday school teacher and I'm like, I know Chris when his board started making noise. She's like, the other kids got used to the noise. So after a while, the teacher is saying her uh, Sunday school uh, lesson and the other kids, they don't hear him they got used to him so that's important yes I wish that will happen I will come like more than once a day a month then. <laughs> well, and COVID too but you and, know. COVID, and COVID too yes yes yeah no I love mm -hmm. that I think that's that's so important that you're you're saying it's more about familiarity in the beginning just being familiar yes yes yeah. yes you know I, I have to comment and she was saying you know it starts with the parents and I think that you know, it's important to note there's two ways that you can talk to your kids about uh, a child or a person with a disability. You can say, ah, woe is them, poor whoever that they have to do this. Or you can say, how amazing that even with these struggles, they are still X, Y, and Z. And isn't it cool that somebody invented a wheelchair that allows them to get, a, get around and um, how wonderful that he still attends liturgy, even though like, you know, we complain about how long liturgy, but he's still attending liturgy. There is definitely a positive and a negative way that we can talk to our kids, even though in both, both ways, it's not malicious. We're not saying like, oh, stay away. No one is ever going to say, oh, stay away. But at the same time, 
the way that you talk about it can influence how normalized it is for your child and how scared they might be to go and talk to somebody that has a disability. And so I like what she said about like, you know, take your kids to the, to Chris. I mean, in this situation, take him to, he'll play, he'll, he'll, you know, hang out and he just wants to be a part of the group. And there's, that reminds me of like in our church here, there's a, um, he's an older gentleman, but he is in a, a motorized wheelchair. And I couldn't tell you exactly what the disability was, but I remember being scared myself. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll admit it. I wasn't sure what the cognitive abilities were and I wasn't sure what kind of conversations we could have. But later I found out that he's in college and he is um, like, yeah, it takes him a little bit longer to speak. It takes him a little bit longer to get his thoughts out. So there is something to be learned there about how to communicate, but it wasn't scary. Just taking that first step, just taking that first dive off really, again, demystifies the whole thing for you. And with your kids, like I usually take my kids with me to go talk to him. Honestly, they don't seem to notice, like not that they don't notice, they notice, but it's not a hindrance for them like you'd think it would be. The kids are really reading our body language, our tension, our own fears. They, they're just mimicking us. So if we, are, if we can learn to let our guard down as people who are so afraid of the unknown, right? If we can learn to, to take that guard down a little bit and approach, that will be the example that our kids need to also be more comfortable and open and able right. to, to interact. Which it sounds like, you know, for her, and again, she did mention to test the waters first. And I imagine the same with this scenario, but um, with her, like, it's obvious she longs for that. She longs for the kids to interact with her son the same way anybody, if they saw their own child being uh, left out or isolated, it would be heartbreaking. So um, she's obviously a, a very positive person, but it's clear in her words that she wishes for them to get to know him. Um, in a way that we would get to know any child. And even the kids, it's good for them to um, be educated about that. When they see somebody else, they are not scared. And they will, because I, when they ask me what's wrong, I will tell them depends on their age. And when they're growing, they will know more. So when they see similar, that's edu free education. And in friendly, nicely ways, we are not sitting in a classroom and studying about syndromes. Yes. Free, friendly <laughs> yes. education. <laughs> yes. Yes. Awesome. Yes. Well, Donna, anything else you want to say or anything we didn't cover that you might want to tell parents? Parents, I want to talk to the parents who is not have not parents, the couples who is not having kids yet, or they are planning to have more. Uh, special needs is not end of the world at all. If you're carrying a special needs, don't double think to abortion this kid or not. No, it's not as hard as you imagine it. You can come here. And there's people knows that it's not hard who personally know me that see me. I'm always in a good shape and I'm always joking and I'm always. Yes, it's not at the end of the world. It's at the end of the world for the people who doesn't know. Because, you know, when you don't know something, you're scared, but it's not. It's a normal life with a little bit struggle. So anybody has a question about somebody they knew or they heard about or themselves that you think that you're carrying a baby that has something, I, I, they're more than welcome to talk to me. And the last thing about this topic that 
special needs are way easier than normal kids. They are so much easier. If you see me one day crying at church, I'm crying over Raphael, not Christopher. <laughs> at least I know where Christopher is. I know that I can control it. Him. But the other kids with their emotional and growing and teen aging and all of the stuff and education and behaviors and this huge list, you will find out that special needs are so easy. <laughs> they need their TV. <laughs> That's all you have to worry about and some doctor appointments. And so special needs is not a terrifying condition. It's easier. I, of course, I don't want anybody to, to have a special needs or hope to have a special needs, but it's not so difficult as it seems like. Awesome. Thank you so much, Donna, for doing this with me. I love what she said, that special needs is not the end of the world. And um, I have to say, Laura, I see some similarities to when we did our episode on adoption, what she said. That is, you know, like if I were to take out special needs is not the end of the world. And I say infertility is not the end of the world. You know, um, we kind of see things playing out in our lives a certain way. And she said it herself, the fear is greater than actually, you know, the, the, the condition itself. Um, just like we said that in adoption, the fear of what could happen with adoption is much greater than you get them and then you love them. Special needs obviously is the same way. I mean, nothing can separate a mother and a father from the love that they have for the child, whatever the situation is. And she, you know, said it herself, she has a tougher time sometimes with her son that is not special needs because there is always that unknown of where is he going? What is he going to be doing? What's his education going to look like? There is always something to be afraid of, but the love that you have for your child grows with that fear. So, or you get closer to God through those fears. You get closer to your child through those fears. You end up wanting to communicate more, wanting to do what's best. Um, and she said it herself that it like brought her out of laziness to have a child with special needs and, uh, or even to have a child without special needs. It all requires research and it requires effort and it requires putting in your part in order to get them from point A to point B in their own lives. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like Donna came to this interview with her heart wide open, you know, and willingly sharing with us all the things that we, we want to know, all of the, I think she's shed light on things that for us are dark and shadowy and are so unknown. And she puts them out there and she says, look, it's just like your life. It's not that different. It's really not. And when you think about it, you know, she's right. I mean, Chris is in the wheelchair. Chris's feeding tube, you attach it, it's done, you know, like, my kids, we have a you know two hour long conversation about what they're going to have for dinner. The life fills, the problems fill the time, I guess is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> they're different problems, but they're in the end, you know, it just is scarier because we don't know. And it becomes part of your day, you know, whatever the obstacle is, it becomes a part of your day and you learn and you grow and it doesn't necessarily become easier with time, but it's definitely something you learn from and you grow with. I just really appreciate her perspective and, you know, the way that she just approaches this whole situation. You said it, she has such an open heart. And I think we could all learn a lesson from the way that she talks about her, ch her children. 
no matter how predictable we think our lives are going to be, there is going to be struggles and obstacles. If we're not afraid to talk to each other about it, if we're not afraid to research whatever needs to be researched, if we're not afraid to just um, dig in, you know, and, and get to know our children and let other people know our children the way that we know them. There's a lot to be said about that for sure. And I want to say, you know, at one point, Donna said, I wish there was a video so that I could show you all the equipment that, that Chris needs. But I think for me, I wish there was a video so you could see Donna as I see her in church on Sunday. And she described this a little bit, but Donna always has her makeup done. Donna's always laughing, always joking, always active. And she's not, she reminds me of this idea of, you know, we're about to approach Lent and, you know, Christ says like, wash your face, you know, don't be don't, you know, cover yourself in dirt and like go, whoa, is me, I'm fasting. Donna is not still grieving. She is a hundred percent butterfly, uh, like a hundred percent herself and like absolutely brilliant personality. I, I have a feeling that's where Chris gets his troublemaker. <laughs> I should have asked her if that was, <laughs> but I think that, I think that seeing Donna in her full glory is something that, you know, we, we don't get from the video, but I'm hoping that you all heard it through the, the interview. And I think there's something to be gained with the, the way that she approaches, um, you know, her, her son's condition and, and just life in general. Um, you know, she's clearly, she mentioned that there's some people who are still grieving, still grieving the whatever condition that their children have. And surely I understand that there's going to be really tough days and I can understand um, really never fully getting over or accepting the fact that your, your child is born with, with a condition. But at the same time, I feel like her accepting it has really freed her to be who she is and for you to be able to see that wonderful vivacious person that she is every Sunday when you see her. And we can say that about any of our problems. The sooner we accept them, the sooner that we learn how to manage them and to deal with them, we, be, we become uh, like the weight is lifted off of us and we're able to be ourselves. And I think that's what God asks us to do. I think he asks us to put the burden on him and just live your life and do what you can. Um, let tomorrow worry about itself and, you know, he will take care of that burden for you. You don't need to carry it. You don't need to hold it. Um, she's definitely stronger than I am though. I mean, I, I, I can talk a big game, but I don't know if I can do it. She does. That's for sure. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's the, the crux of it is you don't know what you're capable of. No one does, you know, until you do it. You know, I'm always shocked and amazed when a friend of mine says they've run a marathon. You know, one of our mutual friends has done the Ironman like two or yeah. three times. <laughs> <laughs> that I can't that's another thing I could never do that but I think the incredible thing about this life is that all of us as humans you know with the grace of God are capable of so much more than we imagine uh, as long as we're trusting in him as you said and so we just want to encourage each of you you know if you see somebody that has special needs or a disability take the words of Donna you know test the waters get to know that person, that parent, get to know that child with a disability, introduce your children. We just want you to understand that it's usually the fear that keeps us from doing things. It's not really the actual obstacle or dilemma that, that you know, should get in our way. And if any of you want to reach out to Donna and ask her any questions, email us at raisingupcops at gmail.com and we can send messages along to her. And she said that she's willing to do any kind of research or be helpful in any way. She's 
very fluent in Arabic. So if you need something translated or if you're hoping to hear it in Arabic, do let us know. Uh, Donna's, she was saying, she, she was telling me she loves to study and she has no problem studying as long as there are no tests involved. So if you need her to help you with your own child's condition or to help you talk through you, talk you through one of those things, um, she is available. So with that being said, thank you so much for joining us today on this week's episode of Raising Up Cops. Be on the lookout for next week for part two, when we discuss the other three interviews that we had um, on raising children with special needs in the Coptic community. Raising Up Cops is a podcast hosted by Laura Michael and Madonna Lewindi. None of the views expressed during this recording are the official stance of the Coptic Church or its hierarchy. These are purely our personal opinions, collected experiences, and organic discussions on selected topics. If you would like to reach out with any questions or comments, please email raisingupcopts at gmail.com or post on the Coptic Dad and Mom Parenting Community on Facebook.